Hello everyone. Hey, welcome to Summit Church Fenton Online. I'm so glad you joined me today. Uh, I look forward to sharing the Word of God with you. Hey, uh, I, I not only want to welcome everyone that's watching from around the country uh, here in the United States, but uh, we have people that watch us, much to my amazement, from all around the world. And, uh, uh, you know, of course we have Facebook and YouTube, but particularly um, on our sermon player, we're able to go on there and, and look and see uh, where people are watching from around the world. And we put a list together of just some of the places that people are watching. And uh, I want to say a special hello to, to uh, my friends in Dublin, Ireland, London, England, Frankfurt, Germany, Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, Liverville and Gabon, Africa, Pretoria, South Africa, Marrakesh, Morocco, Marit, I don't know how to say that one, Martyrus, Martyrus, that's an island in the in the Indian Ocean, uh, Amsterdam, Netherlands, Lagos, Nigeria, Kampala, Uganda, my goodness, Uganda, people watching, these are just some of them, people watching these messages from around the world, and so it's uh, it just blesses me, so I want to say hello to everyone from around the world that's watching, and you know, particularly, I guess on this list here, the one that that, that especially blesses me is uh, Germany. Uh, you know, my grandma, she came uh, from Germany, my grandma Clara, she came from Germany, and uh, that especially blesses me that I'm able to reach into Germany with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, so Hello to everyone, not only in the United States, but around the world. So what a blessing uh, this social media is and the technology of the present day. So anyway, welcome, glad you've joined me. Hey, let's get into the Word of God. And we've been, uh, the last couple of weeks, we've been looking at lessons that we can learn from the 12 apostles. So we're doing a series on uh, lessons we can learn from the 12 apostles. And... Uh, we started two weeks ago, so we're going to continue today. But go to Luke, the sixth chapter, and we'll start with the twelfth verse. It says, Now it came to pass in those days that he went out, Jesus went out to the mountain to pray, and continued all night in prayer to God. And when it was day, he called his disciples to himself, and from them he chose twelve whom he also named apostles. And then it lists the names, the Bible lists the names of his twelve apostles. Uh, Simon, whom he also named Peter, and we spent the last two sessions on Peter. If you missed that, uh, those two sessions, you can go on our archives and get that, and I recommend that you do. And Andrew, his brother, James and John, Philip and Bartholomew, Matthew and Thomas, James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon called the zealot, Judas, the son of James, and Judas, another Judas, Iscariot, who also became a traitor. And uh, and so remember, uh, the last two sessions, I gave you an assignment to make an effort to learn the names of the 12 apostles, okay? Uh, now we can get, like I said the last couple of times, we can get uh, Santa's reindeer's names, we can get those, and many people can even get the seven dwarfs' names, you know? But how much more important to be able to name the names of Jesus's apostles. You know, uh, he chose from all the disciples who were following him at that time. Remember, he continued all night in prayer before he made a major decision. And then he handpicked these 12 uh, that he named apostles and they followed him. They were his, his the, 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 you know, close 
closest of the disciples, named them apostles. They followed him. And, uh, and, and of course, we're going to look at each of these men and learn lessons from their lives. And so, uh, but before we move on, I, I, I meant to call this to your attention uh, in the last two sessions, but I just, I, I overlooked it, but I want to get it here because this is probably the greatest lesson that we can learn from Jesus's 12 apostles right here in these two verses, Mark chapter three, verses 14 and 15. Right here, these two verses, I think are the, the, the most important it's the most important lesson we can learn from his 12 apostles in Mark, the third chapter, the 14th and 15th verses. And, uh, and, and listen to this. Then he, Jesus, appointed 12. Now, before I read on, you know, a lot of times when, when you talk about being, you know, getting to be one of Jesus's apostles, you know, people start thinking, oh, wow. You know, that's great. I get to preach under the power of God and that, and they got to do that. Or, you know, uh, we're going to get to heal, you know, you know, see people healed under our ministry and cast out demons. And the 12 apostles got to do that. Certainly they did. But there's something that was more important than preaching under the power of God or casting out demons or seeing people healed. And it's right here and it often gets overlooked, but I want to point it out to you because it's the most important lesson, I think, among all the other good lessons that we can learn from his apostles, but it's right here, Mark the third chapter, then Jesus appointed 12, and here it is, that they might be with him. Now think about that, that they might be with him. That's, I think, the greatest lesson that we can learn from Jesus's 12 apostles is that they wanted to be with Jesus. They wanted to be with him. They really did. They wanted to spend time with him. They wanted to be around him. And, and because that was their motive, that they might be with him, then as a result of that, they got to preach under the power of the Holy Spirit. They got to cast out demons by the power of the Holy Spirit. They got to lay hands on the sick and see the sick recover by the power of the Lord Jesus Christ through the precious Holy Spirit. But it was because they wanted to be with him. And how many times do we hear people, you know, they, 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 they want the power of God, you know, they want the preaching power, they want the, the healing power of God and all of that. They want to see demons cast out and all of that. But, but they miss the most important thing. It's to be with Jesus. And I'll tell you right now, if you don't have a desire in your heart to be with him and if you don't spend time with him, then you're never going to have the power of the Spirit of God on you to preach or to, or to lay hands on the sick and see them recover or to cast out demons because it all centers in on uh, being with Jesus, spending time with him, fellowshipping with him in prayer, okay? So learn that lesson. I think the greatest lesson of, of the uh, apostles is that they wanted to be with Jesus. He appointed 12 that they might be with him. So remember that and put that at the forefront of your notes. Okay, Okay. so now the last two weeks, as I've already said, we talked about Peter. Let's pick up today with John. John, lessons we can learn from the Apostle John. Now, uh, of course, you know he's known as the Apostle of Love. He's known as the Apostle of Love, but you have to realize that John did not start out as the Apostle of Love. When, 
when Jesus first encountered him, he was anything but, John was anything but, an apostle of love. I mean, <laughs> as we'll see, he was anything but. And, and, and so the biggest lesson I think that, that we can learn from John is how he went from being what he was when Jesus first encountered him to what he turned out to be the apostle of love. How, what was that process? How, how did that happen? And, and that's what I want to do here in this session today uh, with you. But uh, uh, you need to realize and go to Mark, the third chapter, that uh, John had anger issues. He had, he had a temper. He was hot tempered. Him and his brother, James and John, were brothers, you know, and, uh, and, and they were hot tempered. They really, really were. And uh, if you look in Mark 3, verse 17, it says, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, the brother of James, to whom he gave the name. Now, Jesus gave these two brothers a name. I'm going to spell it. It's B-O-A-N-E-R-G-E-S, Boangeres, Boangeres. I believe that's how you say it, Boangeres. And it, it, that is, it, me it meant the sons of thunder, the sons of thunder. But that word, Boangeres, B-O-A-N-E-R-G-E-S, if you look at the, the middle part of that word, A-N-E-R-G, if you, if you look at it, you just got to move the G around a little bit. The middle of that word is anger, anger. John and James's brother had some anger issues. They had some temper issues. And, uh, and Jesus called them the sons of thunder. And it, it also means the sons of commotion. They caused a commotion when, you know, when, when they went somewhere. And uh, uh, it also, as you study into this, it means uh, uh, this thunder word thunder means to roar or to rage. You know, they were loud, loud-mouthed, boisterous, uh, rude, abrupt. Uh, you know, that's, that's what John was when Jesus first encountered him. A person with a temper, a person with anger issues, uh, a, a person that caused commotions, uh, had problems with rage and being loud and boisterous. Uh, that's who John was and his brother James, but we're looking at John here today. That's who he was when Jesus first encountered him. And we see this if you go to Luke, the ninth chapter, and the 52nd verse. And uh, the Bible says, And messengers were sent before the face of Jesus, and as they went, they entered a village of the Samaritans to prepare for him, but they did not receive him. They didn't receive Jesus, this village, because his face was set for the journey to Jerusalem. And uh, uh, be that as it may, and when his disciples, James and John, saw this, saw that Jesus was not being accepted or received, they said to the Lord, they said, Lord, do you want us to command fire to come down from heaven and consume them as Elijah did? Now, think about that. I think about that. That was John and James. They wanted to call fire down on a whole village and just consume it. You, you can see sons of thunder. That would cause a commotion, wouldn't it? They had some anger issues. They got angry. And, and out of that anger, they wanted to call fire down and just consume the whole place. Uh, that's what John was like when Jesus first you know, encountered him. 
uh, one that would call fire down. You know, so we'll just well, they don't they don't they, they don't want to receive us. Well, we'll just we'll just call fire down on them and consume them. Absolutely, that's what John was like. And then not only that, but but there was a a clickishness about him, a clickishness. You know, click when I say click, uh, uh, snobbish, snobbish. You, you got to remember James and John from were, were from a well-to-do family, and they were perhaps spoiled, uh, you know, spoiled absolutely, and uh, uh, cliquish. And what I mean by that, they had their own little group, and they would didn't want to let anybody else in. And of course, we we see that in Luke the ninth chapter in the forty ninth verse, the Bible says, "Now John answered and said said to Jesus, Master." We saw someone casting out demons in your name, and we forbade him because he does not follow with us. Or in a, another way to say it, he's not one of us. So we, we, we forbade him. We, we told him to stop uh, uh, casting out demons in your name because he's not one of our group. He's not one of us. Uh, he's not part of our, our group. Clickish, you see. And, uh, you know... I'll say this about John. You know, we talked about we talked about Santa's reindeer, Dasher, Dancer, Prancer, Vixen, Comet, Cupid, Donner, Blitzen. You know, uh, John would have would have fit right in with those eight reindeer, absolutely. Because remember, those eight reindeer. You know, they didn't want to let Rudolph join in their reindeer games. Remember that because he had that red shiny nose, and and, and uh, they wouldn't let him join in with the games. Because he was different, you see. And that's what John was like when Jesus first encountered him. Uh, you know, we're not, we're not going to let Rudolph in here because his nose is shiny. You know, we're, we're not going to let anybody else. If, you know, if, they don't, if they're not one of us, then, you know, we'll just call fire down on them. That's the kind of person John, and of course James, but we're looking at John, as I said. That's the kind of person that he was. And, uh, and there was definitely a lack of humility. And we see this in Mark, the 10th chapter. And the 35th verse says, uh, Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to Jesus saying, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. And Jesus said to them, What do you want me to do for you? And they said to him, Grant us that we may sit one on your right hand and the other on your left in your glory. Now you think about that. Now you think about that. What... <laughs> I mean, and, you know, Jesus went on to say, you know, hey, that's not mine to give. And, you know, if you think about that, you know, Jesus is is seated at the right hand of the Father. And so if you think about it, Jesus, you know, if he's seated at the right hand of the Father, so you'd have the Father, and then you'd have Jesus on on to the right hand of the Father. So on Jesus' left hand would be the Father, and I'm convinced on Jesus' right hand, I think, would be the Holy Spirit. Uh, you think about what these guys were asking for. They wanted to sit in the chair, one of them in the chair of the Father, on his, and the other, you know, you know, on the throne of the Father, and the other on the throne of the Holy Spirit. I mean, you know, they didn't realize what they were asking, and Jesus, of course, said, that's not mine to give. But the point is, think about what they were asking. Grant us. You know, we, Jesus, we want you to do whatever we, we ask. He said, what, what do you want? And they said, that we may sit, one on your right hand and the other on your left in your glory. Now you think about that. You think about haughtiness, pridefulness. You think about that. And then when, when Jesus didn't grant this to them, 
Let's, now, they were from a, a well-to-do family, and they had James and John. They had a mom. They had a mother. And uh, after this happened, they had a little talk with Jesus. Uh, she had a little talk with Jesus. After they had a little talk with him, wanting to be you know seated, one on his right hand and one on his left, they couldn't pull that off. So I'm convinced they sent mom, they sent mother over there to have a little talk with Jesus, you know. And uh, now, you know, who knows? I mean, maybe, maybe she was supporting Jesus' ministry. I think probably. And uh, maybe she was going to go over and try to put a little, you know, put a little, put a little pressure on Jesus and get get something for her sons. You know, get you know, let's let's I'll go talk to Jesus and we'll I'll fix it. I'll arrange it so my two sons can be seated in those good seats. You know, and think about that. And, and and so she went over. And Matthew twenty verse twenty. Then the mother Matthew twenty twenty. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to him with her son. So now she brings her sons kneeling down and asking something for him, from him. And he said to her, he said, What do you wish? She said to him, Grant that these two sons of mine may sit one on your right hand and the other on your left in your kingdom. Well, Jesus didn't give in to her either. <laughs> you, know, you know, it's not for him to give. He didn't give in to her either. But you can see, you know, this is anything but humility here. This is not humility, not humility anywhere around here. You see, uh, John didn't start out as the apostle of love. He started out with temper issues. He was cliquish, you know, and, and, and exclusive and uh, lacked humility. And remember, we talked in the last two sessions when we were covering Peter, but it bears repetition that, that the disciples argued again and again and again. They even argued at the Last Supper about who would be the greatest. And you can see it right here, uh, you know, where... James and John, they they want to be the greatest, and I'm, you know, they one of the other apostles. I, I can only assume they must have found out that what James and John were asking for themselves, and then they got their mother to go over, or their mother went over, talked to Jesus on, you know, the, the sons went, you know, and, and Mark, you have the sons going, Matthew, the mother goes with the sons. When the other apostles found out what they were asking Jesus, I'm sure that didn't make them too happy. And they argued the apostles again and again, who would be the greatest, you know. And I, I'm convinced, I said it last time, but I'll say it again, that's one of the reasons I think Jesus washed the disciples' feet, the apostles' feet at the Last Supper, to show humility, because they were arguing right there at the Last Supper about which of them would be the greatest. And so John lacked humility. So the question then is, how did John become the apostle of love? How did he become the apostle of love? Now, if you're taking notes, you really want to pay real close attention here because here's the answer. In John, the 13th chapter, we're at the Last Supper. Okay, now we're at the Last Supper. John 13, verse 21. And then when Jesus had said these things, he was troubled in spirit and testified and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. Now, of course, we know that was Judas, and we'll get to him, I believe we'll get to him next time. Uh, interesting things to say to you about Judas. Some great lessons we can learn from, from him. Uh, you know, some things that we should never do, and, and, and just some interesting things on him next time. But, but be that as it may, um, then the disciples looked at one another, perplexed about whom Jesus spoke. Now, look at verse 23. will tell us how John 
went from being boisterous, a son of thunder, uh, a belligerent, you know, uh, one that caused commotion and and what called down fire and cliquish and prideful and snobbish and all that. This tell us right here how he went from that to becoming the apostle of, uh, apostle of love. Oh, get a hold of this right here. Here it is at the Last Supper. Now there was leaning on Jesus' bosom. There was leaning on Jesus' bosom one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. And of course, this is all scholars agree that this disciple, this apostle, was none other than John himself, the, the, the disciple whom Jesus loved. That was John. Now, I'm going to come back and say something at the end here about this, the disciple or the apostle whom Jesus loved. So I'll come back to this. But, but here's the thing. John was leaning on Jesus' breast, his bosom, on his chest there at the Last Supper. Now, when you, if you were to take your, your, your head and lay it on someone's chest, what would you hear? Well, you would hear their heartbeat. And that's how G, uh, John became, the. he went from being what he was to the apostle of love. He stayed so close to Jesus that he had his head on his chest and he could hear so close to Jesus that he could hear the heartbeat of the Lord Jesus Christ. He heard the heartbeat of Jesus. And he was so close to Jesus that he heard his heartbeat and it changed him from these boisterous, prideful things that we talked about from being like that to being the most humble apostle of love by hearing the heartbeat of Jesus. Lesson to learn here, stay so close to Jesus that you can hear his heartbeat. Now, by saying that, I also want to say this. Yes, he had his uh, head on Jesus' chest so close he could hear his heartbeat. But if we went back and looked at the uh, things that I opened the message with, those instances, you know, where calling down fire, for example. See, John saw something. And, and let me share it with you. When he and James wanted to call down fire on that Samaritan village, he got to see Jesus' response to that. And here's what Jesus said in Luke 9.55. Uh, uh, but Jesus turned, when, when James and John wanted to call down fire, the Bible says that Jesus turned and rebuked them and said, you do not know what manner of spirit you're of. For the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. You see, John heard the heartbeat of Jesus, when he saw Jesus's response, when they wanted to call down fire, Jesus said, no, 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 no. You don't know what spirit you're of. See, they, they were yielding James and John to a wrong spirit there, okay? And he said, you don't know what spirit you're of. He said, we're not here to destroy people. We're here to save them, is what Jesus said. And it's interesting that not only that, but you know, just uh, uh, something I think that's worth noting is that um, John was the only one to write of the woman, of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. He was the only one to, to write of the woman taken in adultery. Remember that? And, uh, and, and I won't go through the whole story, but actually Jesus was the only one there 
by his own words, who had the, 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 who had the legal right, every right, every way you want to look at it, to stone that woman. And he didn't do it. He said, woman, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. Didn't condone her sin, but didn't condemn her either. And John saw that. And it's, it's also, I think, worthy to, uh, worth noting that there was a group of people who followed Jesus because John was the only one to write about this also, the woman in adultery, but then this group that followed Jesus only for the loaves, the, the, the bread, you know, the loaves of bread. They didn't follow Jesus because they wanted to hear his teaching. They didn't want to follow him because of any other reason. They just followed him because they wanted to get some food out of him. And, uh, uh, and you know, uh, Jesus moved with compassion and fed them anyway. And John saw that. He saw that. And then as it pertains to this cliquish, you know, and that had to affect, affect him, you know. You know, <laughs> hey, Jesus, these people are only following you for the goodies they can get out of you. But, you know, Jesus moved with compassion and fed them anyway. You know, that, that's, that must have affected John. It did affect him for the good. And then this cliquish thing, when, remember when, uh, when uh, they saw the demons being cast out by, by this fellow that wasn't following with Jesus' group? Remember that? And, and, and John said, well, we, you know, Lord, we, we forbade him because he's not one of our group. And Jesus, John got to see Jesus respond to that. And in Luke 9, 50, Jesus said to him, do not forbid him. Don't forbid that guy who's casting out demons in, in, in my name. Don't, don't stop him. For he who is not against us is on our side. And so uh, uh, when John wanted to be cliquish, Jesus corrected that in him and said, don't forbid him. You know, he's not against us, then he's for us. Let him go and let him do good, you know, in my name. That, and, and that must have affected John. It did affect him for the good. And then John also, as it pertains to this being, being exclusive and, and, and keeping other people out, and just letting certain, certain ones in, in, into, the, you know, into the inner group, uh, uh, John, no doubt, heard the heartbeat of Jesus as he watched him minister, he watched Jesus minister to those of other races and outcasts of society. He, he saw Jesus minister to the Syrophoenician woman. He saw Jesus minister to the Samaritan woman. And, 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 and you know, the Samaritans and the Jews, they, they, didn't, they didn't get along. And, but yet he saw Jesus minister to, to, to her. And then he saw Jesus minister to a blind beggar. And he saw Jesus minister to the maniac of Gadara, a demon-possessed maniac. He saw Jesus touch the lepers and, and minister to them. And all that, and all of that, you know, he's hearing the heartbeat of Jesus, and it's changing him over, over time from this son of thunder and this boisterous, snobbish, cliquish, proud, you know, uh, kind of a guy. It's, it's, it's affecting John, and it's changing him. And Again, as it pertains to the uh, this prideful thing, you know, Lord, we want to sit one on your right hand and one on your left. And then he heard Jesus in Mark 10, verse 43 said, whoever desires to become, to become great among you shall be your servant. And whoever you, uh, and whoever you desires to be first shall be servant of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. And then John saw Jesus washed 
his own creation's feet right there at the Last Supper. That must have that must have affected. It did affect John for the good. And uh, you know the Bible said that Jesus made himself of no reputation, and John observed that throughout the ministry of Jesus, the three and a half year ministry of Jesus. He observed Jesus's humility in many ways, including when Jesus rode into Jerusalem humbly on, on a donkey. And that, that's, all of that's affecting John. He's hearing the heartbeat of Jesus. It's changing him into the disciple of love. And it's interesting, as years came and went, when John, when the Holy Spirit used John to write, the, the gospel according to John that bears his name and then 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, the book of Revelation. It's interesting that not one time, not one time in those books does John mention himself, you know, uh, well, well, let me get that straight. In the, in the book of Revelation, he does call himself John, but in the books that bear his name, the book of Revelation doesn't bear his name. It's called the Revelation. It's the Revelation of Jesus Christ. Uh, but the books that bear his name uh, would be the Gospel of John and then 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, the books that bear his name. And those books, the Gospel of John, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, John never mentions himself by name, not one time. Now, the John that Jesus met initially, you know, he put his name all over the place in those books. You know, he wanted to be seen as great, sitting at, on one side of Jesus or on the other, you know. We talked about that. But by the time he hears the heartbeat of Jesus, you know, over, over a process of time, it changed him from that son of thunder, that prideful, boisterous individual, into a person that God used, was able to use to write books of the New Testament, but in the books that bear his name, not one time. Did he mention himself by name? Why? Lesson we must learn. He heard the heartbeat of Jesus. You see, he he also observed Jesus. Uh, he watched him being betrayed by Judas. Again, we'll talk about Judas next time. But he was he he watched that betrayal. John did, and yet he saw Jesus call Judas friend. You see, John watched that betrayal, and yet. Uh, he saw Jesus call Judas friend. Right in the process of betrayal, right when they out there at the at the Garden of Gethsemane, when Judas came up and, and kissed Jesus and uh, turned him over to the to the soldiers and whatnot in that betrayal, and John saw Jesus call Judas friend. That that affected John. And then when uh, Malchus's ear, when Peter cut off Malchus's, the servant of the high priest's ear, he wa John watched Jesus heal him. Think about that. See, the John that, that Jesus met initially uh, would have said, way to go, Peter. Good, glad you cut that ear off. You should have cut the other one off and should have cut his whole head off. See, <laughs> should have, you know, and then burned him with fire, you know, Malchus. But, he, but you know what? Jesus uh, healed his ear and John saw that. Hearing the heartbeat of Jesus changing John into the apostle of love. He saw Jesus being falsely accused. After he was betrayed and arrested, he saw him falsely accused, beaten, spit upon. John watched Jesus' beard be plucked out. He saw him being mocked and crowned with thorns, crucified, reviled. And he watched Jesus 
revile not again. In other words, he, he saw Jesus just, you know, uh, the Bible says as a lamb before his shears is dumb, so Jesus not didn't open his mouth. He saw Jesus take all that and didn't, didn't threaten back. And that, see, John was hearing the heartbeat of Jesus. The Bible says John was right there at the cross when Jesus was crucified. He observed all of, all of the, 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 the uh, beatings and everything that Jesus went through. And he saw Jesus uh, 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 not reviling back and uh, not calling down fire. The Bible says Jesus could have called you know, legions of angels, but he didn't. He didn't. And uh, see, the, again, the disciple that Jesus met, John, initially would have called all those, those legions of angels and consumed all those uh, people that were, uh, 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 you know, beating Jesus and whatnot. But you see, John saw Jesus not do that. He saw him hang on that cross and bear the sins of mankind and, and, and didn't open his mouth and revile, you know. In, in fact, he heard Jesus say as he hung there, uh, suspended on that cross between heaven and earth, he, uh, as, as people were shooting out their lip, the Bible says, and you know, he saved others himself. He could not save if he's the Son of God. Let him come down from the cross and all of that. And you know what? He heard Jesus say, "Father." John heard Jesus say, "Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do." What's going on here? He's hearing the heartbeat of Jesus, and it's changing him again from this boisterous. A uh, person that probably wasn't too enjoyable to be around into the uh, great apostle of love. Think about that. And uh, but now you see, uh, John. Now let's talk about you and me for a moment. Talked about John, but you see, let's talk about you and me. John was there in person with Jesus to hear his heartbeat. Okay, but what about us? How do we hear the heartbeat of Jesus? Well, Jesus isn't here in the flesh like he was with John, but the Bible calls Jesus the Word made flesh. See, we have the holy written Bible. See, Jesus right now is seated in heaven at the right hand of the Father. He's here in the person of the Holy Spirit, all right, but we have the Bible. Jesus, again, is the Word made flesh. We don't have Jesus here in the flesh, but we have the Bible, and we can put our our ear to the Bible, if you will. What do I mean? We can open up the book of the Bible and read read it, study it, you know, meditate in it. And in so doing, uh, just like John, in that way, we can stay close to Jesus and hear the heartbeat of Jesus just like John did. And you know, if we put our ear to the Bible, you know what will happen? Maybe you have some anger issues out there. Maybe you're a person who enjoys clicks. Maybe you're maybe you're a little snobby. Maybe you're spoiled, you know, um, prideful, you know, loudmouth, whatever it is. But I tell you what, just like John was changed, if you learn a lesson from him, you can be changed uh, by hearing Jesus' heartbeat. I know if you look at me when I was a kid and you look at me now, I'm not the same person. I was a spoiled little brat, uh, smart mouth, sharp tongue. I had a tongue so sharp it could, you know, trim a hedge. You know, it was just a hedge. You know, it was just, it was, uh, it was just I, I was not fun to be around. But you know what? I, I put myself uh, in the Bible. I've listened to the heartbeat of Jesus for, for all these decades now. 
and and he's changed me. Now I'm still not where I ultimately am headed. You know, I've always improved, but but I tell you what, you would recognize me now if you knew me when I was a kid. Absolutely not, because I've heard the heartbeat of Jesus, and it's changed me. It it can change you too. And you know, if we'll if we'll put our ear to the Bible, you know what we'll hear the heartbeat of Jesus saying. We'll hear the heartbeat of Jesus saying, "Treat your neighbor as yourself. Work no ill to your neighbor. Speak ill of no one." Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. You see, if we'll keep our, our eyes and ears in the Bible, listen to the heartbeat of Jesus. We'll hear, we'll hear the heartbeat of Jesus through his holy written word say to us, pay no attention to a suffered wrong. Think about that. Uh, easier said than done, but the Bible says we, we can do it. But we can do it because the love of God's been shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit and we can pay no attention to have suffered wrong because see if we're listening to the heartbeat of Jesus that will be our heartbeat and when somebody wrongs us and we suffer a wrong yeah absolutely suffer a wrong we'll pay no attention to it but we'll turn the other cheek and forgive not call down fire but turn the other cheek and forgive uh, when someone asks us for help we'll do our best to help them if we'll hear the heartbeat of Jesus in the word of God we won't hold a grudge uh, when we're compelled to go one mile, we'll go two. We'll be patient and kind. We'll not be envious and we won't boil over with jealousy. We won't be boastful or prideful. We won't be conceited. We won't talk about ourselves all the time. Tell you what, if it, uh, I'll tell you right now, if, if you got somebody that's talking about themselves all the time, I can tell you this, promise you this, they're not listening to the heartbeat of Jesus. Somebody that listens to the heartbeat of Jesus, when they enter a conversation with someone, they'll start wanting to talk about that other person and, and see what's going on in their life. Have you ever met somebody, you get around them and all they do is talk about themselves and they never do ask you how you're doing or, you know, or they might just in passing, but then they spend the rest of the time talking about themselves. You have a person there that, and it's not listening to the heartbeat of Jesus. Well, I tell you what, let's don't you and me be that way. Let's, you know, let, let's hear the heartbeat of Jesus. And if, if we'll do that, when we get around others, we'll take interest in them and what they're doing, what's going on in their lives, you see. And uh, uh, the heartbeat of Jesus will teach us not to be rude. You understand that? Um, we, we won't look the other way when somebody comes by or when we see somebody at Walmart, you know, <laughs> you know, in one of the aisles and, 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 you know, uh, I don't, you know, you see him in the aisle and you go down another one. <laughs> Come on now. I don't know if you've done that, but, but I've done that a time or two and I've had to go get my nose back in the Bible. Come on now. And, and, uh, you know, get my, get my ear back on Jesus chest. Listen to that heartbeat and you hear the heartbeat of Jesus. You'll, you'll go down that aisle and go up to that person and love on him and, Say hi to them and just pay no attention to the suffered wrong they did you. Absolutely. Come on now. Come on. And uh, if you're hearing the heartbeat of Jesus, you won't insist on your own way. You won't insist on your own way. You won't insist on your having it your own way. Huh? Come on now. Won't be self-seeking. Won't be touchy. Won't be touchy, touchy, touchy. People that are touchy, 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 you know what I'm talking about. Now, come on. <laughs> come on. They're not listening to the heartbeat of Jesus. They're easily offended. People that get easily offended, I promise you one thing, they're not listening to the heartbeat of Jesus. 
when I pastored for 30 years in, in, in church setting, almost 30 years, and people, I tell you what, you just look at them, if you look at them, they get offended. Some of them, you look at them, they get offended. If you don't look at them, they, they get offended. Uh, <laughs> I had one lady one time, I just feel impressed to say this, that uh, I said something very nice to her publicly, right in the, in the, you know, in the, in the setting of the congregation, something that was just so nice and just that, that, you know, if somebody had said that to me, it had made my buttons pop. And, uh, you know what I mean by that? And, uh, as she got offended and left the church and, you know, well, why? Well, because, you know, you, you, you called me out in public. You called attention to me in public. I mean, you know, we need to hear the heartbeat of Jesus. I was trying to bless the lady, and anybody would have been blessed to hear that unless they're not listening to the heartbeat of Jesus. Come on now. We need to listen to the heartbeat of Jesus, and we will not be easily offended. We won't rejoice at injustice. We won't... Hey, if you're listening to the heartbeat of Jesus, you will not rejoice when bad news comes to you that, you know, hey, something... Somebody that did you wrong. Now listen to me. Somebody that did you wrong and news comes to you, bad news about that person, you know. Uh, they did you wrong and then you hear that they had a, a problem. Something went wrong in their life. Some, some bad, bad thing happened to them is what I'm trying to say. Now come on, our flesh. If you got flesh like I do, somebody's done you wrong. Come on. And you find out that, you know, word comes to you that something, something unsavory has happened to that person. You know what your flesh wants to do? The same thing my flesh wants to do. So, you know, they had, they had that coming up. You might, we might not say it out, out, but down, you know, you know what I'm talking about. They got, they got what they, you know, they got, they had that coming. Hey, come on, we do that. Promise you one thing. We're, we don't have our, we've not been in the Bible like we should. We don't have our ear to the, to the, to Jesus's breast, you know, listening to his heartbeat. But see, when something bad happens to someone that's done us wrong, we won't take pleasure in that. But we'll rather mourn and be sad, be sad about it, you know, and pray for them. And so, so we'll rejoice when right and truth prevail, and we'll believe the best of everyone. See, that's what happens when you hear the heartbeat of Jesus. So we must stay close enough to him that we can hear his heartbeat like John did. And it's only by staying close to Jesus through his written word close enough that we can hear his heartbeat, that our hearts will stay soft. See, if your heart has become hardened or calloused, you know what? Have you ever had a, like a callous on your, on, your, on, your, on your hand or whatever, you know? I know when I play golf without a golf glove or I'm out there, my wife has me working out in a, in a, in a, in a flower bed. If, I don't, if I'm hoeing or whatever and I don't have gloves on, I'll get calluses. Sometimes they get pretty rough. And, but you know what? You know, if, if, you, if you put lotion on them and they can, that callus can become soft again. Maybe you're out there and your heart's become hardened. Well, I tell you what, get in the Word of God. Get your ear up to Jesus' chest through the Holy Written Word. Hear His heartbeat, and that calloused heart of yours can become soft and pliable again. Absolutely. And that's the way to keep your, your heart soft is by listening to the heartbeat of Jesus. And we learn that lesson from the Apostle John. Absolutely. And, uh, and remember, in John 13, 35, good verse here, Jesus said, By this all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. So as we hear the heartbeat of Jesus, like John, like John, we'll be known as an apostle of love too.
Because you see, uh, that's how we're distinguished as a, as a disciple of the Lord. If we have love for one another. You understand that? Absolutely. And so let me close here with, with, with uh, uh, two more real brief but very important lessons from John. Remember I told you earlier, he referred to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. And uh, really good lesson here. Listen carefully. On several occasions, John referred to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved. Now think about that. Writing in the Bible, he refers to himself in the books that, you know, uh, well, in the gospel account of John, he refers to himself several times in the gospel account as the disciple whom Jesus loved. Now the question is, why did he do that? Was it pride? Well, you know, I'm the disciple that Jesus loved. And he had, you know, uh, 11 others, and one of them was a betrayer, but I was the one that Jesus loved. Now, I was the one that was so close to him, I could lay my head on his chest, you know, and, 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 and Peter had to ask me, you know, a question there at the Last Supper, you know, because I was the one closest to Jesus. I was the one that he loved. Was it, was it, was it pride? You know, John did state that he outran Peter to the tomb when they got word that Jesus was raised from the dead. You know, why did he, why did he, why did he have to write that? Why outran Peter to the tomb? Was that, was that, was that a prideful statement? You know, uh, he did tell the truth though that Peter was the first to go into the tomb. But I mean, but anyway, you can think about that. But uh, maybe he was stickling Peter there just a little bit. But nothing wrong with having a little good fun. Uh, you know, stickling your buddy a little bit as long as it's done in love. But uh, uh, but was it pride that he referred to himself as the disciple whom Jesus loved? Was it pride? Or was it humility? Was it humility? Was it that he had learned the lesson of the heartbeat of Jesus and he was no longer a, a, a boisterous, prideful person? But was it humility, not wanting to draw attention to himself in the books that he penned. And so that's why he didn't call himself by name in those books that bear his name. And, and, and he called himself the disciple whom Jesus loved. He didn't want to use his name to draw any attention to himself. Was it humility that he referred to himself that way? Or was it that he had a revelation that we should all have? Think about this now. Was it that he had a revelation that we should all have? That Jesus loved him. Now, in 1 John, 1 John 4, 16, John writes and he says, We have known and believed the love that God has for us. Now, friends, I, you know, I think the one that I want to center in on here is is, is of course, I think he wrote it out, I think he wrote it out of humility, the disciple whom Jesus loved, but, 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 but here's what I want you to center in on. We need to learn this lesson from John. He had a revelation that Jesus loved him. He not only knew it, but he believed it. And you know, again, I've pastored a lot of people over almost 30 years, and I've had to deal with this myself, and I've asked people, and I've had to deal with it myself. You know, I'll ask somebody, do you know that God loves you? And yeah. Yeah, yeah, I know that, Pastor Terry, I know that. But do you believe it? And now that's a whole other thing. 
Now, I've met multitudes of people, and I've been in this group myself, where, yeah, I know God loves me. I know Jesus loves me. But do you really believe it? Can you say of yourself that you are the disciple that Jesus loves? Can I say that of myself? Well, if we really have a revelation of the love of God, if we really have been listening to the heartbeat of Jesus, and if we've really learned the lesson from the Apostle John that we were supposed to learn today, we'll be able to, like John, refer to ourselves as he did, as the disciple whom Jesus loved. So let's not only know that God loves us, but let's believe it. Let's not only know that Jesus loves us, but let's believe it. And there's a lot of people, I'm telling you, from years, decades of experience, that they'll, like I said, they'll say, oh yeah, they, they know that Jesus loves them, but they don't really believe it. And if you don't really believe it, you're not able to say with heartfeltness, with a heartfelt conviction that you're the disciple that Jesus loves. So get that revelation. Learn that lesson from John. Know that Jesus loves you. Believe it. And then uh, I tell you, be able to, to say to yourself, hey, I'm the disciple that Jesus loves. I tell you what, that right there will change your life when you get a revelation that Jesus really loves you. He really, really does. Now I'll close with this. The final lesson from John. And we also learned this from Peter. Now we covered Peter in the last two sessions, but it's in Acts 4.13. Come on now, let's get this. This is really good. Acts 4.13. This was after Jesus had been raised from the dead and after the day of Pentecost and, and all of that. And, and, and look at this, Acts 4.13. Now when they, this is the crowd of people here that's making this statement, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, they perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men and marveled, and they realized that they had been with Jesus. They marveled and realized that they had been with Jesus. Remember how we opened this session today that, the, that we learned from the apostles that they wanted to be with him? Well, I tell you what, Peter and John and the others, they were with him so much so that, that here in the book of Acts, the crowd was able to look at Peter and John, and you know, they didn't, they did they were not, <laughs> the education wasn't an issue. I believe in education, get all you can. And uh, uh, they saw they were untrained. Now, you know, they were fishermen, all right, but they were untrained in, in you know, in, in book learning, as we would say, and that, that sort of thing, and get all you can. But that didn't, that didn't marvel the crowd. What they marveled at is that they had been, they saw that James and, or, or that Peter and John had been with Jesus. So let's learn that lesson, maybe above all else, from John and Peter. Let's be with Jesus. Hey, I hope, and here's heartbeat. Here's the heartbeat of Jesus. Hope you enjoyed this today, and uh, we'll pick up next time with Judas, and that's going to be very, very, very interesting. So hey, if you're out there and you don't know Jesus as your Savior, Remember, there's a heaven to gain. There's a hell to shun. The only way to miss hell and make heaven is to repent of your sins. And then the Bible says, whoever calls on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ with that repentant heart will be saved. So do that right now. You'll miss hell. You'll make heaven. And Jesus will make your life worth living in the meantime. Okay, God bless you. And we'll see you next week. Bye-bye.